Welcome to the Ocean Hills Podcast. Our hope is that today's message would help you connect more deeply with God and with others. If you would like more information on what is happening in the Ocean Hills community, check out our website at oceanhills.org or download the Ocean Hills app. If you are encouraged by our ministry and would like to partner with us financially, you can give through your mobile device by texting Ocean Hills to 77977. We hope you enjoy this message. Thank you. Stuck in the Visitor Center. This is the final installment of this message series. And I want you to think about, uh, before we jump into this message, are you stuck? Maybe let's just start there. Are you stuck in the Visitor Center? Imagine going to Yosemite, and uh, here you are in the Visitor Center. Taking your family photo. Hey, let's get a Christmas card ah, in front of the visitor center. And then let's go inside the visitor center. Let's hang out. Let's get a few postcards. Let's buy a, a keychain. Maybe get a, a glass with a, with a little inscription on it that says Yosemite. Maybe even a survival kit that we can take home with us and put in the closet. But we never went and saw Half Dome. We never went and saw Bridal Veil Falls. We never went and saw El Cap. We never went to Glacier Point. We missed the point. This series has been a one big metaphor one big ob object lesson. We believe that we're missing out if we just attend church on Sunday. Check. I did that. Super Bowl this afternoon. Check. Kiss my wife before I go to bed. Check. Say my prayers before the meal. Check. I just wonder if your Christian faith, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're bored, if you're going through the motions, if, if your experience is, oh man, is this all there is? This series is one loud shout, no, this is not all there is. So let's get out of the Visitor Center this year in 2019. So the, the, the series has been Love Everyone Always. That was week one. Week two, connect. How do I connect to God? How do I connect to one another? And then the next week, grow, part one and two. Why should I grow? How can I grow? And so today is... is this big idea is about serving, serve, serve, connect, grow, serve. I was in a creative meeting with Casey and with our protege, Jacob, this week, sitting down here with his family. Welcome, you guys, by the way. We're so glad you're here. And I loved, as we were thinking about, when John gets up and says, today's sermon is on serving, what are people in the audience going to be feeling, thinking? And I love Jacob's soundbite. He said, some people are going to be sitting there going, really? 
another sermon on I'm not doing enough. I wonder if that's what you're feeling right now. Really, I got to sit for the next 15, 20 minutes and hear you tell me I'm not doing enough. And you're going to use guilt and you're going to use shame and you're going to try and get me to do something. And as we all know, guilt and shame lasts for a few weeks and then we get resentful and bitter and angry at me and we quit. (laughs) And then we go to another church and we do it all over again. Here's what some of you are feeling right now, right here, as we think about this idea of service. I am busy. Are you kidding me? I don't have any extra time. I'm swamped. I'm swamped. I'm going to guess 80% of you right now would say, I'm swamped. The other 20% would say, I'm just too tired, too lazy to raise my hand. Most of us would say, I'm swamped. I'm busy. Some of you would say, I'm burned out. I am so exhausted. I'm fried. I have served most of my Christian life. Now I'm on a five-year sabbatical. (laughs) And others of you are feeling bitter because you felt unappreciated. You didn't get a thank you note in the mail from Cozy when you did O-Kids or from another leader at another church. You, you You were all in. I'm serving. I'm doing everything. And you went from burnout to bitter. And now kind of just in the visitor center. And I just would have us think, Why should we serve? And why should we give? It's interesting, you know, as a pastor, you hear people, when you talk about money, they go, well, I give my time. And then when you talk about serving, they go, the other side goes, well, I give my money. I can't win. Actually, the Bible says we're to do both. We are called, we're invited to get out of the visitor center and become people who both serve and give. You know, in Romans 8, 29, it's a passage that's filled with with so much meaning and so much mystery. But here's what Paul writes. For God knew his people in advance and he chose them to what? To become. To become what? Like his son. To become That's the discipleship word that I am embracing and I want you all to embrace. The life of following Jesus, and we like to say in this church, followers of Jesus follow Jesus. That's what we do. I know that may seem strange to some of us. I didn't know I was signing up for that. I thought it was just I raised my hand. No, Jesus' invitation is to follow him. And that implies action, movement, direction. He becomes the passionate pursuit of my life when I choose to open my life to him and to follow him. And he wants us to become like his son, Jesus, which begs the question, what is his son Jesus like?
What words would we use to describe Jesus? This is like Christian faith 101 right now. In your program, you have a verse that's the theme verse for this message. It comes from Mark chapter 10, verse 45. Jesus was fond of a title that he used to describe himself. He described himself as the Son of Man. And this verse says, for, and these are the words of Jesus, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many, to serve others, to give his life. We are to become like his son, serve others, lay down and give our life, become a contributor, that's the becoming. We move from consumer, I'm here to receive, to I'm here to contribute, to give, to serve. And that's the adventure of getting out of the visitor center. It's scary. You know, we love this word adventure. It's like, you know, kind of a sexy word today. Oh, I'm into the adventure, really? Adventure means you have no idea what you're doing. You're like going, man, I'm scared. What do I do now? I don't have money to give. Yeah, that's when you give. You don't stop giving. I don't have any time. That's when I trust God and say, God, I'm empty. Yeah, fill me up. When I am weak, you are strong. When I have nothing, you become everything. And you flow. Because I give and I serve out of my connection here. When I'm not connected here, I don't give. And I don't serve. Because I don't have anything to give or serve out of. But when I'm open to the Spirit of God and the Word of God, doing the work of God in my heart, there is an overflow that happens. And we serve and we give out of abundance, not scarcity, scarcity, however you say that word. <laughs> so why serve? Big question, why serve? Well, simply because it is biblical. You know, 1,100 times in the Bible, that word servant or service or serve is used in Scripture, referring to serving God and serving others. Let me throw up some Scripture. Let, let the Word, of, these are familiar Scriptures, but let the Word of God do the work of God in your heart as you reflect on a few of these verses. We all know, or many of us know, John chapter 13. It's the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. They should be washing his feet, but no, he takes on the role of a servant. And here's what he says afterwards. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I have given you an example to, what's the word? Follow. Followers of Jesus, follow Jesus. I have given you an example to follow, to serve each other. Galatians 5, 13 through 15, I love this. I have a whole sermon series on these three verses. You have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Did you know that? Did you know that the Bible is an invitation and a call to live in freedom? Not in slavery, not in obligation, not in guilt, not in shame, in freedom. 
God's invitation to you is to live in freedom. What does that look like? He says the next phrase, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature, to live selfishly. Is, that's what that means, to make your life all about me, myself, and I. Don't use your freedom to go, oh, I'm just going to live for myself. I'm going to do whatever I want, whenever I want. That would cause you to live in bondage to your own selfish desires. But what does it say? Instead, there's another way to live. Instead, there's a shift. Instead, I want you to think about living a different way, in a new way, in a new life. Use your freedom to do what? Serve one another in love. Serve one another in guilt, no. Serve one another in, uh, no. Serve one another in love. Love is a choice. It's not just goosebump feelings, emotions. Love's a choice. Agape love is a choice I make. Serve one another in love. Verse 14, for the whole law can be summed up in this one command. What? This whole law, this whole Bible, the Ten Commandments can be summed up in one law. There's one law? Yeah. What is it? Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're always biting and devouring one another, watch out. Beware of destroying each other. Freedom, when we're living beyond ourself, we're not conscious of ourselves because we're serving, we're giving, we're looking to meet the needs of others. But when we're living for ourselves, now I'm getting my feelings hurt, and so I'm biting and devouring and gossiping and complaining and whining about the, my family and about the people I work with and about... And the invitation of Scripture is... There's a different way to live, in freedom. And the freedom comes when we live not for ourselves, but beyond ourselves. It's really a powerful principle in Scripture that I wasn't raised this way, by the way. This is like swimming upstream, counterintuitive, not even on John Ireland's radar growing up. It's kind of a novel idea, like, wow, you mean you don't? You weren't put on planet Earth to live for yourself? You mean it's not all about me? Not according to God's word. The invitation is to live beyond yourself. I don't know how many of you remember this well-known conductor. It's kind of a famous quote, Leonard Bernstein. He was asked, what's the most difficult instrument to play in a symphony? Remember his answer? Remember his response? Here's his quote. His reply was, second fiddle. I can find plenty of first violinists, but to find one who plays second violin with as much enthusiasm, now that's a problem. And yet, if no one plays second, we have no symphony. What's the meaning of that quote for you? Are you willing? Are you willing 
Are you willing to play second? Another quote from a friend of mine. If we give God service, it must be because he gives us grace. We are only able to offer him service because he is pouring grace into us. Not because, look at me, look at me. It's a response of receiving grace. I'm loved, I'm forgiven. He's pouring into me. Now I have something to give away. We work for him because he works in us. We work for Christ because Christ is working in us. And this doesn't come naturally. I mean, for some of you, actually, it does. I'm actually amazed. Some of you, I'm like, are you kidding me? They just seem to live and give and help and serve others naturally. But for me, I mean, this is... This is the hardest sermon of, of, the, of the four that I'm giving. This is the one I'm like, oh, this is like John Ireland growth area right now. <laughs> Living an unselfish life is changing the way we think about it. I think, I, I don't know about you, but I, I'll just, confession, the idea of becoming a servant I would say I used to think about it this way. That means becoming kind of pathetic. Really? No, I want to be served. You're more important when others are serving you. I serve others. That kind of means you have to become weak, pathetic, uneducated. You're just doing the, the work nobody else wants to do. It's almost like a human mule. I'm not doing that. I didn't sign up for that. Oh, really? Have you read your Bible, John? Living beyond yourself, serving others. This is the invitation of Jesus to those who would follow him, not just believe in him. Oh, I got the right doctrine. I'm all good. And that's not what the Bible teaches. Sorry. The question, the big question is are you willing? Are you willing? God, I'm willing. That's the big question for you this morning. Am I willing to become a servant? To be used by God to help others? To serve others? To move the mission of Jesus forward by giving to the cause of Christ? Am I willing? I really appreciated um, Bruce, who's in the audience this morning. He's helping us oversee our connection specialist. He sent me a text reflecting on this series, and I loved, I loved how he thought. He says, you know, it's not linear. It's not you connect first, and then you grow, and then you serve. But it's more circular. They're all kind of interwiving. You know, when I connect with people, it helps me grow. Because sometimes people are hard to love. So when I'm connecting... I'm growing in love. And also when I'm connecting, I'm invited to serve them. And when I'm serving, that's helping me grow. And it's also when I'm serving on teams, it's helping me connect. And when I'm growing, the expression of that growth is I find myself connecting more deeply with people. And I find myself wanting to serve more and more. 
When I'm, does that make sense? It's connect, grow, serve. Connect, grow, they're all intertwined versus you start here and you end at service. It doesn't work that way. And I really appreciate that insight. And so really quickly, just take a couple minutes and then wrap this up. Where do I or where can I serve? Where? Where does this happen? Four places I'll give you this morning. At home, at work, at church, and in the community. At home, at work, at church, and out in the community. So at home, I was talking to the children's O-Kids team earlier this morning, and we just I said, just tell me how you can serve one another at home. And it happens through all the grunt work, the doing the dishes, driving kids, taking out the trash, making the bed, picking up the dog poop, out in the, all that stuff. That's how we serve at home. Putting the iPhone away and listening, listening. That's how we serve in our family, with our children, with our kids, our roommates, those of you that are in college. You have roommates. How do you serve? In these same ways. I'm embarrassed to say that I am still learning. Like I said, service is really hard for me. It's just, my, it's just one of these and serving at home, I could just tell you this story happened this week. I'll just, <laughs> I'm just going to go there. It was early Friday morning, and then again early this morning. <laughs> happened twice this weekend. My wife says to me, did you hear that? pretending. Did you hear that? We got critters out there in the kitchen. Munchie, who's our little terrier, is like wagging her tail, and I, th I think we got rats or mice or, or squirrels or something. Out there. Go get, get up there. Go, go get them, John. <laughs> she gets up. She goes out there. I'm afraid to go in the kitchen. I need you to go in there. So I'm like pretending I'm asleep. She comes back in. Oh, you're a lot of help. Come on. So I get up. I go in the kitchen, and I'm like, see, there's nothing. And then, and then here's this brilliant thought I had. What am I going to do if a rat does come out? <laughs> what, what, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? Am I going to chase it? It's going to run. It's going to hide. I'm like, what? So, of course, last night I was out with family, and I said, what would you guys do? Oh, throw a towel on it or get some Tupperware and put it over. The I mean, we're coming up with a strategic plan on how to deal with these mystery critters in our house. And I have to say, I'm, like, feeling so inadequate. Like, so I said this morning, I'm sorry I'm not an exterminator, honey. And she goes, can you just become animal control? <laughs> but what about you at home? Would your family describe you as one who initiates service, initiates the grunt work, initiates finding what needs to be done, how to lighten your husband, your wife, your roommate, so cleaning up even though those dishes weren't yours, that's another one, right? Like, I'm not doing those, those aren't mine. At home, second place is at work. I'll just brag on some staff. How about for you when you think about work? 
how you can serve the people you work with. I just was, was just kind of brainstorming. John was so awesome. Hey, I'm going down to blenders. Can I get you a blenders? Can I treat you to a blender? He'll say that to staff. He'll say that to me. Just a very thoughtful, generous, considerate gesture. I, was, I, had, I had some car problems. Took my car in. I needed a ride. Called a staff person. Is there any way you could pick me up? Of course. I'll be there in five minutes. Could be, oh, no, I'm busy. Just Uber. You know. But just thoughtfulness. I love the way our staff serves. Cozy after beach camp. Or after church at the beach, man, we have a van or, or a suburban full of stuff. Can you guys meet me down? I'm parked in yellow in front of the loft. Can you help me unload? And, and, and to watch our staff rally, step up, and serve each other. It's really inspirational. It's really powerful, an honor. But what about in your workplace? As a follower of Jesus, we lead the way in this. Lightening someone's load. Just this week, we had somebody who came in to set up an appointment, needed to talk through some things, but said, I, I, I have kids, and i got to bring them with me. And Mama G and Julie said, we'll watch the kids while you go meet with John. How awesome is that? We'll watch your kids while you get help. That's team working together, serving each other. And it makes you want to... Be part of a team like that. At church, I mean, I could go on and on and on, but at church, what are your gifts, your interests? What's the need? I, I just would say there are so many places, but the, 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 the number one way I would love to see you serve, everyone here, is to help somebody else grow. Help somebody else grow in their faith. Disciple them, mentor them, meet with them, pray with them. Serve them. We have care team. We have prayer team. We have setup. We have takedown. And we just have so many connection specialists. We have the worship team, tech team. What goes into making this all work? It's not me. It's a bunch of volunteers, people that are saying, yes, I'm willing to serve. Yes, you can count on me. And then finally, out in the community. And you know, there's so many of you that are serving on boards, in nonprofits, at schools. We have a Franklin Reading Literacy Program. If you don't know about it or you have not yet jumped into that, helping kids learn to read before fourth grade. If we can help them do that, the chances of them staying out of prison just get accelerated. But kids that don't know how to read by the time they reach third, fourth grade, it's like an 80% chance they'll be incarcerated. Reading one hour a week will help make that difference. But then we have other opportunities. We have elderly people that are shut in because of health setbacks. Visiting them, praying with them, caring for them. Special need friends in our community. Young Life has a whole ministry and jumping in and being a volunteer with them. I mean, I just go on and on. Habitat, Transition House. There's so many wonderful ways to serve and to give out in the community. So let me close with a couple of quotes. One is from Richard Foster. This, this is going to, if you haven't heard anything, this is going to challenge you right now. This is graduate level, graduate level Christian faith, this quote by Richard Foster. This is the stuff that, well, just throw it up on the screen. Let's, let's, just, let's just 
jump into it. Nothing disciplines the inordinate desires of the flesh like service. And nothing transforms the desires of the flesh like serving in, say the word, hiddenness. The flesh whines against service. See, that's me. That's myself. I'm like, oh, I don't want to do it. I don't want to serve. That's, that's not just me. That's most of us. we just like, I don't want to do it. The flesh whines against service, but it screams against hidden service. It strains and pulls for honor and recognition. It's the meaning of this quote. Are you willing? Are you willing to serve and not be recognized? Not be honored? To do it anonymously? This hiddenness. I don't have to tell you how great I am. How much I'm doing for the kingdom. There's a, there's a hiddenness to it. Takes humility. Takes dying lots of little deaths inside of myself. I want you to know what I'm doing. I want you to like me more. Last quote. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10. In fact, you know what I'm going to do for this? I'm going to have you stand up. We're going to read this together. This is how we're going to close. We're going to read this together. We're going to read it in unison. And then I'm going to make one or two comments, and then we're done. Let's read this together. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped people and continue to help them. Did you notice the phrase, the love you have shown him as you help people? Don't miss that nuance. We love God when we love each other. We express love for God when we serve each other, when we help each other. The Bible says that it's God's perspective. When you do that, God feels loved. God feels loved. As a parent, you understand that when you see your siblings help others. You actually feel proud and loved like, wow, look at Johnny. Look at how he, that's so, I feel so proud and loved because of how he's helping others. That's the concept here. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work done in hiddenness. And the love that you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help. Put your hand on your heart. If you can say with me, I want to grow in this area of becoming a servant, more like Jesus, to serve, to give. That's who Jesus was. And that's who he wants to be in you. He's put his spirit in you and in me, right in here. And he says, will you now follow me? Not out of guilt or shame. Don't do that. It's not going to work. Better to learn how to say no, but not for five years. There are seasons when we need to say no, the self-care stuff. But only you can answer that. If you're standing here and going, man, I've been out of the game. I've been on the sidelines for a long time. Then 
I would encourage you to jump back in. If you're like, man, I'm in burnout right now, then get the care, get the help you need to, so you can get back in the game and serve. Let me pray over us. Father, every heart in this room, you know those of us that feel bitter or busy or burned out, those of us that uh, are pouring ourselves out, God, I pray today that you'd fill us anew, that you would pour your spirit into us. Oh, God, have your way in us and through us. Make me more like Jesus, who took on the very nature of a servant when he came. I want to be more like you. Help me to daily die to myself and to my selfishness and live for Christ. I pray that over every heart. In Jesus' name.